This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. From MPB Think Radio, this is In Legal Terms, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. He'll be joining us via Skype. Today, we're going to talk about the First Amendment, and the First Amendment has quite a lot to unpack. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. Well, with all of that, we're going to focus in today on the abridging the freedom of speech or of the press. We're going to talk about, is Facebook the press? Is it just newspapers? Is it CNN and Fox News? What if you tell a lie publicly? Are you protected for that? What if you thought what you said was the truth when you said it? Well, get into that. Professor Gershon, are you there with us today? I am, Liz. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. We're so glad that you're spending your spring break with us. Well, that's why you're stuck with me, is because it is spring break. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but, but I'm glad to be here, and uh, this is an important topic, and... One, it's worth revisiting uh, periodically is the freedom of the press, but also how it relates to state defamation laws and uh, what is protected free speech and then when can I be liable, that is L-I-A, liable, uh, you know, for libel, L-I-B-E-L, or slander. Uh, So I'm happy to talk about those this morning. Well, let's go ahead and jump into this a little bit. Now, some people say it shouldn't, but the law changes. It adjusts over time. And recently I understand that Justice Clarence Thomas stated that the way we interpret the First Amendment should change. So what is the, the current law as respect to free speech, and what does he think it should be? Well, and Liz, it's especially what he uh, was talking about was the way the press, uh, you know, publications in the press particularly, and, and it, it, both of these situations involve the newspaper press, but it could be any kind of media. But um, so the, the, what Justice Thomas was talking about was a, a, a McKee versus Cosby. Um, and, you know, uh, we all know that Bill Cosby, unfortunately, uh, had uh, lots of legal problems and was, uh, you know, a predator. And uh, I think we were all disappointed with that. But um, his lawyer wrote a letter to a newspaper saying that Ms. McKee was a liar and she wanted to sue uh, the paper for publishing that letter. 
And uh, the Supreme Court said, well, you know, that's protected free speech. And the reason it's protected free speech is because of New York Times versus Sullivan, which was the, the case that came out of the 1960s and civil rights era. Uh, the New York Times had published an ad um, that had a couple of factual errors in it. There were things like uh, there was uh, the ad said that Martin Luther King had been arrested uh, seven times. He had only been arrested four. But um, a lot of the uh, southern states wanted to prevent um, papers like the New York Times from publishing things that were negative towards their police forces and their actions toward the civil rights uh, activists. And so uh, in order to try to do that, they used uh, libel and slander laws, state libel and slander laws. And the, and the uh, Supreme Court of the United States said in order to uh, prevail in a libel suit against a newspaper in particular or the press in particular, uh, you have to show actual malice which means that the newspaper would have to either know it was lying or have rec reckless disregard for the, for the truth. And so uh, what Justice Thomas is saying uh, is that someone like Ms. McKee should be able to sue and just prove that, uh, that the press was negligent, not that they had actual malice. That's a much higher standard. All right. Well, we have a question on the line. Let's go to Charles in Mobile. And uh, Charles, welcome to In Legal Terms. We're so glad you could join us. You're on the air. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I'm involved in a situation where, uh, let's see, I, I know in my age I should know the difference between libel and slander. But basically, uh, things have been said and repeated about me that are false. And this has uh, to do with my business, okay? Now, it's possible that some of the people, uh, since this is basically members of an organization who I did business with, okay, didn't know that one of their members made a mistake, okay? I corrected the mistake, okay? But the story going around is that, you know, this woman placed an order and I forgot about it. Okay, I have notified the organization uh, and its board that, no, I didn't make a mistake. I got a panic phone call one morning, uh, and then I, I helped the lady out. And all I've asked is that they correct the error, like print a statement saying that, no, this guy really helped us out. This person dropped the ball. They haven't done that. Do I have any claim against the organization since basically an officer of the organization has caused this bad reputation? That's, that's a great question. And, you know, one thing, when we look at, uh, I was talking about the New York Times versus Solomon case and, and people like uh, Bill Cosby, I mean, they're public figures. You, I would imagine, are not a public figure. So the, the, the basic uh, libel and slander laws that, that uh, just talk about truth and actual harm would apply. So there would not be a situation where there would be a higher standard if you're not a public official. 
Now, with that being said, I mean, I think you, you would need to talk to a lawyer about your damages, what actually harm has been caused, and you'd have to show that it was these statements that caused that harm, um, and that's what the law requires. But, yes, people's, people's reputations can be damaged by uh, mistakes and, and things that are not true, and if it's just not true, uh, then, uh, you know, if, it's, if you're not a public figure and it's not involving the freedom of the press, then that's when the, the, the state libel and slander laws come in. So uh, the, the key is to be able to prove that there actually has been damage caused and uh, that the statements were false. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, the right thing to do, and you did do this, is to ask for a retraction. That's the first thing that uh, anyone who feels they've been libeled or slandered. That's I do. Of course, I did want it disseminated in writing to the members of the organization who may or may not know the true circumstances. Right, and that's you know, and really, uh, that is the right thing for the organization to do. I don't know all the facts, so I'm, I'm making a statement that's not legal advice, but just from my, you know, the outside perspective, it seems like the right thing for the organization to do is say it turns out that that was wrong. You know, this is a, a problem that businesses have in general, especially with social media now, is people can post reviews online, and, and those reviews could be totally false, and a lot of times people post them anonymously. So it's very difficult in that situation. I think the other thing that consumers need to do is, you know, take all of that with a with with a grain of salt and use some judgment and say, well, you know, just because there's a review online that's negative doesn't mean that I should necessarily believe that either. Thank you, Charles. We appreciate you calling in. Professor Gershon, does it, if you feel, if, if one who's not a public figure feels that false information is spread about them, and, and so then you need to look to see if, if you had any uh, monetary damages or is your reputation, uh, is it, can that be quantified as a damage? Though you know, in a business setting, it's much easier for me to show those damages when I can show that last year I had you know certain number of sales, but because of uh, libelous statements against me or slanderous statements against me, that people, yeah, I can prove that people did not come back to my business, and those damages are much easier to quantify. It's hard to to, to put a money amount on someone's reputation, but but there is value to it. And, uh, you know, that's something that you, you, you'd want to talk to a lawyer about. Uh, but the first, the first thing to do is try to get a retraction. You know, with, a lot of times people complain because, and I think rightly so, a newspaper may publish something on a front page about someone, and the retraction may appear a week later on the back page. Uh, that's typically, though, considered enough. But, you know, I think in, in terms of uh, fairness, it ought to be similar to to you know information where the information was published originally yeah that's so, uh, that's what i was going to say if it's for reparations all you wanted was the, the a statement to clarify the actual fa- uh, facts of the case would you would would it would one ask for a statement to me made on the same the same way if it had been on Facebook it had been on a Yelp review if it had been in an email to a membership could you at least ask for the retraction to be made in a similar vein 
I think that's right. Yes, you would, and that, and hopefully that's what the organization would do. Especially, you know, if they weren't being malicious, but they they just published the information uh, by mistake, uh, maybe some bad fact checking or something like that. Uh, you know, then then that retraction could take place. You know, and and social media sites, and we'll, I know we'll get to this later, really are to some extent they try to distance themselves from what is published on their site. But they, but they can be held responsible, and that's that's something that uh, I think uh, is an important thing for Yelp and, and companies like that to remember. Uh, it, it's a they try to separate themselves and say we're just a platform and we're not the actual publication. All right. Well, Jim and Charles, hang on. We're going to continue our discussion of free speech after our break. If you have a question about the laws concerning libel or slander, give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. Don't forget the 1. Don't forget the 877-672-7464. You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. How long has there been civil actions for damages from defamation? We'll tell you after the break. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to In Legal Terms. Not everyone has the chance to listen to our whole show live. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the show at mpbonline.org slash In Legal Terms. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. Now, in England, as far back as the reign of Edward I in 1272 to 1307, civil actions for damages seems to have been relatively frequent. So, Professor Gershon, this isn't a new topic. It's not a new topic at all, Liz. It's you know it's really important, and especially with written uh, defamations, because they can be so broadly disseminated. And now with electronic media, I do want to make sure I correct one thing, uh, or at least clarify one thing I said right before the break, and that is, Yelp was sued uh, for defamation, and the California Supreme Court actually held that they can't be forced as just a platform to take down. They could not be forced. This was 2018 to take down. Uh, a bad review that turned out to be defamatory. And the U.S. Supreme Court this year uh, refused to take up that case. Now, that doesn't mean it, it won't at some point. Some state might find uh, Yelp responsible because that, to some extent, also will depend on state law. So, you know, I just think it's something that these platforms really need to take seriously and try to monitor uh, things that are posted on their sites because I, I think that's a, a changing area of the law. We probably need to get my colleague Stacy Lantain back on to talk about uh, those issues, but it's just something to keep an eye on. All right. This morning we're talking about free speech, libel, slander, and we have Charles from Jackson. Charles, thanks for calling in legal terms. Go ahead. You're on the air. Okay. 
good morning. Thus far, there's been, in the conversation, there's been a distinction made between private and public discourse. <clears throat> and, you know, I always, always be thinking that what's good for the gander is good for the goose. Uh, private individuals can be held liable for, uh, for saying things that may or may not be true that can cause harm. Public officials, uh, the things they say or do not say, I think in some cases can affect society much more than, uh, than say, a private individual saying something. And I guess through the Constitution, we have no way to hold them accountable for what they say or what they do not say. They can tell us tales and get away with it. I uh, just listened last week with the, uh, some individuals now being sent to jail because they lied before Congress. Well, some people will say congressmen get up in front of us all the time and tell us lies. And, and that appears to be okay. Uh, would you give us some history on, on that, why public officials are not, cannot be held accountable for what they do? Because, again, I think that affects society much more than, say, a private individual saying something. And I will hang up and listen. All right. Thanks, Charles. Are there two different standards, one for public officials and one for private officials or private people? That's a great question, uh, and I'm glad Charles raised it. You know, actually, there are sometimes we, we give... Uh, some type of immunity to uh, people who are public officials, uh, and but yet they are uh, responsible. If, if they, you know, lying, this is where we as a society uh, need to really look behind what is true and what's not. To use, you know, to use our abilities to do research, to use our abilities to check facts, because. The point of the Constitution is let's allow speech. Let's allow the free market of ideas. Let's allow people to put out their information for us to decide what we agree with, for us to decide what we think is true. And, yeah, it is true that we have public officials lie to us. But I think there's some responsibility on our part then to uh, address those lies and to not uh, vote for those people again and to make sure they're held accountable for those lies. And we use our free speech rights to do that. So the idea is not to try to prevent people from saying things that are not truthful, but to actually make sure then that we use free speech to counter those false statements. And is there a difference between lying about someone and lying about yourself? Great. It's a great question. Uh, they're both, to some extent, uh, protected by you know, the right of free speech. We can't prevent someone from doing it, but there could be, they could be actionable. So let's talk about the two sides of that. And if I lie about somebody else, then I can certainly be, if I harm their reputation, if I cause them damage, then they can sue me uh, under state law. And as long as they're not a public official, and as, you know, as long as they, they can prove the standard of, uh, that, that I have caused them harm, they can get civil damages against me. I mean, they couldn't stop me from speaking because I have free speech rights to, to a large extent, but I have responsibility for what happens. But about myself, uh, there was a case, uh, uh, you know, the uh, Stolen Valor cases were, were an interesting example where uh, there was an attempt to say that it's criminal to hold yourself out as having served in the military if you haven't 
and really um, it can, can Congress or can states prevent someone from putting that information out there if it's not true? And the answer is probably no under the First Amendment, but you can be held to be uh, fraudulent. Uh, you can, if you've got a job based on that false resume, you can be fired for it. So there are consequences to that that free speech, and I think that's the balance that we we have to try to to, to to meet here when we look at the First Amendment versus defamation or even lying about yourself. What was the resolution? I remember the Stolen Valor case, but it's interesting, like you said, they'll put one uh, one story on the front page, and then the next story is maybe on page 16 in a, in a tiny thing. It was a former military gentleman who had run for office and was on a water commission at a state, and he had said he had received the Congressional Medal of Honor. And at that time, there was this Stolen Valor Act that said if you lied about this kind of thing, it there were penalties, there were legal consequences. And he was convicted of that or pled guilty to that. But, but what, what was the next part of the story? Well, actually, ultimately, he was uh, he lost that job and he was uh, held to uh, committed fraud because he knew he was lying. So there are state remedies for that. But but it would but what Congress couldn't do is prohibit the speech. You know, so it's really yeah, you can't. They, so we can't, Congress can't make a law that says you can't tell lies uh, because that's part of free speech. And that would be a limitation on free speech. But. Then the state or other entity, even Congress itself, could say, but if you tell the lie and you got a job because you got the lie, the job because you told that lie, or you induce someone else to invest in your company based on that lie, then we can hold you to have committed fraud. So there are consequences to that lie. We just can't, we can't make a law that, that prevents speech up front, um, even if that speech might be not true. And that's very interesting if a individual were running for public office and told a lie and got elected because of it. I suppose uh, that could be some that could be someone would have a standing to sue in their own state. That's right. And, you know, the thing about it is it's interesting because I think about it all the time. We have free speech rights. <laughs> you, you think know, about this all the time. I, well, not all the time. I, I think about other things. But, you know, the, I mean, if you, when, when people post on social media, if they're employees, they have, a, yeah, they have a free speech right to put out information. I, I have a free speech right to, to post on social media as well. But if I do something that uh, brings uh, bad repute to my university, you know, I, I could be fired for that. I mean, there are certain rules and regulations that, uh, you know, affect my, could affect my employment, even though I have that free speech right. So what I, what I think people lose sight of is there are consequences to exercising this right to free speech. Just because you have the right to do it doesn't mean that there's no punishment for, for abusing that right or doing something, uh, whether it's lying, committing fraud, or, or, or bringing bad, uh, you know, bad reputation to your employer. Those are things that, uh, that can cause punishment. 
All right. We're talking about freedom of speech. When we come back from the break, we hope you'll give us a call. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. And call us with your questions. You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. We'll hear what Dudley talks from Calhoun County has to say about fake news. We'll hear what Kathy from Mobile has to say when we come back. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert. We hope you'll subscribe to our podcast. There's many different podcasting platforms for Android, but if you have an Apple phone, all you have to do is pull up the Apple Podcast app. You click on the little magnifying glass. You type in In Legal Terms. Slide over if you don't see us. Tap on the photo, then hit subscribe. This morning, we're talking about free speech. And we've been talking about uh, if you are damaged because of lies that uh, another has told, how can you prove your damages? And we've talked about if you tell a lie, then you may be held accountable. You have every right to lie, but you may be held accountable for what you've said. Let's take our call. It's Dudley from Calhoun County. Dudley, thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms. You're on the air. Go ahead. I was just wondering how fake news fits into free speech. That's an excellent question, whether it be American or Russian or from someplace else. Uh, what do you think, Professor Gershon? Well, that's, again, uh, the whole idea behind free speech is, is not to, to not to regulate speech, but to, to allow uh, the free marketplace of ideas, uh, and bad ideas, false ideas, to come together and for us as citizens to be informed and, and to, to really make sense out of what is the truth by reading, not just going to one source. I think far too often people get all their news from one source because that's who they believe. But, you know, uh, I always say don't don't believe everything you think and, and do some do some work behind it. There's enough information out there. There are certainly uh, sources of the news. And I'll, I'll say one that, that I listen to regularly is NPR because I think NPR is, is very balanced and, and not biased and really does try to get the facts and, and presents good, you know, good information. And I always learn by listening to NPR. So there are so many sources out there, and some of them do present uh, false news. Some of them are more about entertainment than news. But that we shouldn't say they can't do that. Instead, we should say, I need to listen to these ideas, and I need to decide which ones 
actually make sense to me and which ones are verifiable by the, the facts behind them. Thanks, Dudley, for calling in. But Professor Gershon, I was speaking with one of the pediatricians who is on our Southern Remedies show on uh, Thursdays, Dr. Morgan McLeod at 11 a.m., and when I had my kids 20-something years ago, there were books from reputable pediatricians uh, that T. Barry Brazelton and Penelope Leach and or, you know, before that, there was Dr. Spock. And, you know, people recognized the authority of these individuals and took these individuals' advices, advice. And I asked the pediatrician, well, what do parents now do? And she said they just listen to whoever is talking on the internet so you know recognizing where your subject information comes from where are you getting your facts are they a journalist a reputable journalist from a reputable organization or do you not know where they come from that's right and I think that's that's up to us we need to be informed consumers of information because there's so much information out there but, but the, the, we don't want to stop the flow of information. That doesn't serve the best interest of a democracy. What really serves the best interest of a democracy is an educated populace that actually takes the time to do some analysis themselves to decide you know, what is true and what's not true. All right. Let's go to Gary in New Albany. Gary, thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms. You're on the air now. Go ahead. Uh, yes. How you doing? I know. On the subject of free speech right there, you know what I'm saying? We all privately right there. We, we, we just uh, boss out. We just lesson out. And saying right there from uh, my, my, my little uh, clique. And everybody got a little clique. And they got their opinions. But then again, I see what you're saying right there about uh, information right there that the politicians give. But we can't understand right there. It seems like Americans can't understand right there. But we were all raised in different cliques. And it comes to the point where, where you know, where everybody got a different opinion. And we just pick it out. But I, I, don't know, I don't know how you censor this right there. It's no censor. I think I understand where you're coming from, Gary. Uh, one person may see a truth, an event, an action from one point of view with their background, their expectations, and another individual may witness the same thing, but, yeah, but from who, who, who determine what's their, wrong, what's right? Right. That's a great question. I've got a thing in my head. Who, de- who determine what's wrong and what's right? And you know what? It's been going on from day one, I guess, uh, at a time. Who determines what's wrong and what's right? Who is the judge? I don't care how much education you got. I do not care how illiterate you are. But then again, you know, we stand at a point in life that we look at the situation right there because we all come from different cultures. It's time to come together and uh, different faces in life like we're sit down right there at the table and break bread and understand all right thank you gary we we appreciate that uh, that let's bring in a little bit of, of dictionary professor gershon can the okay. truth ever be libel or slander yes it can well it's interesting you know gary, gary raised the yeah, point yeah, yes, indeed, you know, it can. 
truth, I guess, is really what we're talking about there. And, and uh, But the truth itself, no. I mean, actually, if it actually is the truth, if somebody says that, if somebody says, uh, that I am, a, you know, that I have stolen, that I'm a crook, and I am a crook, I, you know, then they could show that I was, you know, that I did commit a felony or something like that in, in my past. And, and that, that, you know, that is the truth. And even though that may hurt my reputation, uh, that's not what we're trying to, to stop in terms of defamation uh, and, and defamation suits. What we're talking about is when someone says something about me that's not true that harms my reputation. And again, I think, you know, Gary's point, what is the truth? And that a lot of times they may think it's the truth, and, and that may affect their liability to me, you know, uh, ultimately. But um, we, we protect the truth. We do. We protect the, the right to say the truth in this country. Could an individual couch their the damages they inflict by anyone by always saying, "I think that someone that someone is a is a thief. I think this person fraudulently did such and such." What about opinions? If can you just put the words "I think" in front of any statement, and it's your opinion? Well, that won't protect you. But if it really truly is your opinion, and it is, you know, because if people can disagree about opinions, if it's opinion, then opinion is not uh, libel or slander, and it tends to be protected. So the truth is protected. Uh, there, there is no uh, defamation where, where truth is involved. There also is, uh, in terms of opinion, there's no defamation. But you can't play the game of saying, in my opinion, and then make up a lie about someone. Just to just to uh, you know get around the defamation laws, that, that, you know, a court would look through that and say, well, you know, we're going to disregard that. But if I write a letter to the editor and I say, in my opinion, uh, you know, uh, this particular person is doing a terrible job uh, as governor, lieutenant governor, is whatever. I have a right to say that if that's truly my opinion, uh, and, and we want we want opinion. We want people to again. We want this to be a free marketplace of ideas. We want uh, to to try to balance the, the libel and slander laws that the states have with the First Amendment rights that we have as, as citizens to to express ourselves. And what about our friend of MPB, Marshall Ramsey, who hosts our Now You're Talking on Mondays at 10. He also is a editorial cartoonist in Mississippi. If he draws a picture of a public official behind bars or a public officials with a robber mask or some such thing like that, is, is that libel? Is that slander? Well, I think, you know, typically it won't be. I mean, that's opinion, and people know that that is an editorial cartoon, and, and, you know, letters to the editor we think of as opinion. But if he uh, did something that said, this is an actual depiction of someone, uh, and uh, this is what happened, and that's not what happened, and he knew it wasn't what happened, I mean, Marshall could be sued for defamation. Remember that because he is uh, a member of the press, if he's talking, and he usually does things about public officials and public uh, figures, and if he does that, then his the level of lawsuit would have to be actual malice under the New York Times versus Sullivan. So you know, even if he made a mistake, if it was an honest mistake, uh, based on his opinion, based on his perce- perceptions, he, he, could not, he could not be sued for that. Well, let's go back. What is the difference between libel and slander? Is one verbal, one in print? 
That's right. I mean, typically, in the old days, we really did think of actual print uh, versus uh, a spoken word. And the idea behind the difference was that that print is more broadly disseminated. And, and you know, if, I, if I say, so that's really it. Or the radio, on the radio right now, we hope we hope there are a couple of listeners or not, you know, more, more listeners than just you and me talking. So, you know, if, if I'm standing in the hallway uh, here and I, I say something uh, defamatory about somebody else in the hallway verbally, and the only people that hear that are, are the two of us plus maybe one other person, I can be sued for slander, and I, could, you know, I can have committed, committed defamation, but that's going to be much more limited. If I go on social media and, and that is disseminated, and I've got you know a million Twitter followers, which I, I, I wish, but I don't, <laughs> uh, you know, then I, then that is a much broader dissemination. So you, you really look at libel as being a much, uh, you know, more damaging type of, of injury just because of the the, the fact that it's published. Well, a much broader audience. But I would think now with the advent of cell phone recordings and security recordings, it seems as if you anything you say could possibly be recorded at any time, which then, of course, could be shared as an MP3 on some kind of uh, uh, media so that it could be disseminated also. Right. You know, that's one of those things that let's say that I say something bad to somebody's face and it's just the two of us and they record it. And uh, and you know, and then they disseminate it. Well, then they're the ones that have spread that that uh, slander, you know, that libel. Uh, and so, I, you know, I think that would uh, limit my damages if I just if I call somebody a crook in the hallway and they're the only person that hears it. How, you know, how much has their reputation been harmed? So the question is, am I the one harming their reputation, or are they doing it to themselves? Uh, and so that, but you're right. I mean, we, I think we have to be careful about what we say. We have, we assume that if we uh, post something even privately on Twitter, that 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 only our friends are going to see that, and that's really just not true. All right. We hope you'll call in with questions. We have one last subject segment to go today. Our number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can also send us an email to legal terms at mpbonline.org. What about Saturday Night Live? Sometimes those skits are really funny. Sometimes Sometimes they are very boring, but often they do not portray our elected officials in a very flattering light. Is that protected speech? This is MPB Think Radio's In Legal Terms. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Thank you for being a part of In Legal Terms with us today. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at mpbonline.org slash in legal terms. It's also available on the MPB public media app as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. We're talking about the First Amendment free speech. We're going to move on to defamation, parody, and satire right after we take a couple of calls. Let's go to Alan in Memphis. Alan, thanks for calling in today. You're on In Legal Terms. Go ahead. 
Uh, I had another question about the whole fake news thing, if that's all right. Um, so I understand Donald Trump, he says fake news all the time. Why Why do these news outlets, uh, Wall, Wall Street Journal or whoever, that he's saying fake news about, why don't they sue him? Because he's bound to hurt their, their revenue by saying these things about them. And vice versa, if they are saying these things and they're false, why doesn't he sue them? It's a great, it's a great question. I think it really does come back to that First Amendment protection. I mean, first of all, let's look at the press because we want, I think, one of our greatest protections against a, a government that is uh, uh, a totalitarian government is free, free press. Uh, we, there is no free press in North Korea. There's no free press in countries like that. And so with the free press comes the problem that sometimes what the press prints may not be completely true. Uh, sometimes it's, you know, it's, it's downright false. Uh, so, uh, you know, but we, we just have to, again, take that as part of our right uh, under the First Amendment to have that information and to, to think about that information, whether it's true or not. But we don't want to start limiting what the press can say, because then we really do. Who's going to make those decisions? And if it's the president or the government that decides what the press can print, what the press can't print, then we might as well be in North Korea or Nazi Germany or places like that. We don't want that. Now, in terms of the, the president, again, we, we have to hold the president accountable. We have to hold all our politicians accountable. We, we don't want to say they can't say things. Again, we don't want to limit their free speech. We don't. So, you know, this is where we, you know, lawsuits don't really help so much. What we really need to do is take the information and be informed consumers and vote for for people and, you know, and politicians who actually we can trust. I know that's hard, uh, but the, the other option is to get rid of the First Amendment and say you can always say uh, true things, but then the government gets to decide what's true, and, and that scares the hell out of me, frankly. All right. Thanks, Alan. We appreciate you calling in. Let's now go to Oxford. Thanks for calling in. You're on In Legal Terms. Um, yeah, so um, hypothetically, say that someone's ex-wife had made an allegation against them for um, abusing their daughter or sexually abusing their daughter during a visit. Um, well, this process ends up taking a six-month-to-year investigation to be proved um, not substantial and that the allegations are false. Um, so once that's done and, you know, this person can get their custody back with their kid, um, is there any recourse against this person for, for making these false allegations that have, you know, bled into this other person's life so heavily, um, not only from, you know, missing the daughter, but from all the family members having to go through this and, um, the daughter having to go through counseling and, you know, just the explanation that, you know, people want to know after a year where your daughter's at and you tell them, um, even if you know in your heart of hearts that the allegations are false, you're still having to, you know, put out this um, not good information that you want to share. Uh, so um, my question is, is there, is there a recourse on that? Thanks for that question. Professor Gershon, what can, uh, what can a person do if you're damaged that way? Well, that's, that's a 
classic case then of, of defamation. And I think, yeah, people can defame you by false statements they make uh, uh, in in uh, in their pleadings. They can defame you by false statements they make in a will. Uh, that those are all published information, and so uh, you know if you can prove that those damages happened and that they were the result of those statements and that those statements were in fact false and defamatory, uh, you know you, I would go to a lawyer and, and see if there was a case there because we don't know all the facts. But you know people can uh, cause harm by making false allegations. There's no question about that. That would certainly harm someone's reputation, and that's that's really what we talk about when we talk about defamation. Would an individual have to prove that the lying statements were made to be mean and not just a mistake? Not necessarily. I mean, that's that's where, uh, you know, if it was a newspaper and it was under New York Times versus Sullivan, there has to be actual malice. But you know, if I just make a mistake and lie about somebody, though, not you know, and and hurt their reputation, it turns out not to be true. I could, that could be defamatory, and I can be sued. So you know, if it's just me and another person, I'm I don't have the the same protections that uh, the news media does when they're talking about a public figure, and it doesn't sound like there's a public figure involved in here. Then we're back to just the the standard of uh, uh, typical defamation, not actual malice, and that means that. If, if there is a lie that causes harm and you can show that causal connection, you can show their damages and there could be there could be an action there. All right. Let's go to our last call of the day. Lee from Woodville. Lee, thanks for calling in. We appreciate you being part of In Legal Terms today. Go ahead. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, Professor Zersher, I'm going out on the limb getting away from most of what you're talking about. I'd like to, for you to define for the audience what intellectual properties are, intellectual law, and also the part of individual judiciary. Let us know where America stands with that, with the closed-up world out there. And I'll hang up. So now that's a. I, I wish I could answer all your questions. Uh, and in the, we actually have a class on intellectual property that my colleague Stacy Lantane teaches. That that's a fifteen-week uh, class, and it's actually they're, they're, you can break it up into several classes. So I'll quickly say that intellectual property is property that uh, it, it's not something you can hold like uh, you know like uh, furniture is is considered personal property and land is considered real property intellectual property is just another class of property that we try to protect and that is someone's uh, ideas uh, their their original writings and music uh, their uh, ideas that become inventions like patents uh, their designs that are intended to uh, sep- separate them from other companies like Coca-Cola, you know, and so that that generally is what we talk about when we talk about intellectual property. Um, in terms of the independent judiciary, I, I think it's one of the most important protections we have in this country. We have three separate branches of government, and. Uh, what I have seen in other countries is when they don't have an independent judiciary, that's when you get totalitarianism. So the judiciary is a check on the other two branches of government, and we need an independent judiciary. Um, that's how we stay a democracy. 
All right. Thanks, Professor Gershon. And to let our uh, listeners know, we've had a professor, uh, assistant professor at the University of Mississippi School of Law talk about copyright and intellectual property on September 8th of 2017. And I believe she also was here on September 6th of 2016. And we've had someone on April 7th of 2018. So if you listen to our podcasts, if you go back to our website, mpbonline.org, we've got a wealth of topics and information that you can go back and listen to. All right, Professor Gershon, we have 45 seconds. What would you like to leave us with for talking about the First Amendment and freedom of speech? Well, as you mentioned, satire, and the one thing that we have to protect is free speech in this country is satire. If people know that you're kidding around and that you're being uh, humorous, comedians couldn't exist. Saturday Night Live couldn't exist uh, without uh, satire. Uh, Can they go over the line? It's possible. But the Supreme Court has said uh, parody and satire are protected forms of free speech. All right. Well, this is going to wrap us up for today for In Legal Terms. We love having guests, but it's fun just having you tell us what you know, Professor Gershon. It was great being here. Thank you. All right. Well, while he's on sunspring, on spring break, I hope he uses lots of sunscreen. This is going to wrap us up for In Legal Terms. Our call screener for today has been Michelle McAdoo, and our board engineer in Jackson has been Jay White. I'm Liz Gill, and up next is our Tuesday Southern Remedy Show, Relatively Speaking. But we hope you'll join us again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. for In Legal Terms on MP. PB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.